Does anybody have a junk drawer in your house, or is that just me? More than one? Oh, that's so, that's so good to hear. We have three. I was going to say two because I was embarrassed by three. But, and each contains a different kind of junk, by the way. I mean, you know, there's a purpose for each one. And I was going to put a picture up of ours, but Forrest, not knowing that I was going to need a junky junk drawer for my illustration, cleaned them a couple of weeks ago. They look so nice now, they're, they're not even embarrassing. But, you know, a junk drawer is where we deposit things of dubious value, right? Ours has a uh, Ziploc bag full of twisty ties that are used. Rubber bands that are so old that if you use them, they break when you, you know, try to put them around anything. A stack of coupons that has accumulated that are expired, you know, those community events. Batteries, some new and some old, and it's hard to tell which is which. And then a variety of other things that just get thrown into this catch-all drawer. And, you know, today we're going to talk about how our hearts can become like junk drawers, collecting all kinds of stuff and keep us from experiencing the life that God has for us and how we can have hearts that are fully God's, that are pure, that are like this song that, you know, we are open to God. Nothing is hidden here. And over the last several weeks, we've been looking at a passage of Scripture found at the beginning of Matthew 5. Uh, these Scriptures are called the Beatitudes. They're called beatitude because beatitude means blessing, and each of these begins with the words, blessed are. And today we're looking at the six beatitudes found in Matthew 5, 8. Let's read it together. This is our memory verse. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And Jesus is very interested in, in what's on the inside, what, what's in our hearts. So much so that if you reverse this saying, uh, it would read impure, the impure in heart won't see God. Uh, you can't make it into God's presence with a heart that's divided and unclean. And this very subject was often the uh, cause of friction between Jesus and the religious leaders of his day. He described the Pharisees as those who clean up the cup on the outside or clean up the dish on the outside but inside they are full of wickedness and they make a show of doing what's right but inside their hearts are full of all kinds of envy and and, uh, pride and greed our hearts matter to God and Jesus says that we'll be blessed if our hearts are pure and so before we talk about how to have a pure heart I want to Uh, I think it's important to understand what the Bible is talking about when it talks about the heart. And as Forrest was doing his children's illustration, I'm running through my sermon like, is this going to negate everything that I'm going to say today about the kidneys and the things? But anyway, we have a physical heart, right? And just take a minute, take your pulse. Make sure you're here with me still, right? All right, we have a physical heart. But the Bible talks, when the Bible talks about the heart, it's talking about something different, something that's at the very core of our being. And the Greek word that's used here in Matthew 5, 8 is cardia. And uh, 
we all know what a cardio is, right? When we get a, go to the gym or exercise in some way where we get our, our heart going, we call that a cardio workout. That word comes from this Greek word, cardia. And in scripture, this word's used over a thousand times, but never to refer to that pump that uh, keeps your blood flowing through your veins. It's used in a spiritual or figurative way to refer to that moral center, the core decision-making, desire-producing center of our being. Uh, here's a definition from the Bible dictionary. The heart is a person's center of both physical and emotional, intellectual, moral activities. Our heart is the seed of our thoughts, passions, desires, appetites, affections, attitudes, and longings. It's our heart that must convince us when we come to faith, must be convinced when we come to faith. It's our heart from which doubts arise. The heart chooses. It's like the central office of our being. It directs the course of our life for good or bad. It's so important to the direction of our life. Proverbs 4.23 gives us this advice. Uh, the, uh, King Solomon says, Above all else, Guard your heart, for everything that you do flows out of it. Everything flows from the heart. It's a powerful uh, source for good or evil. And that's why Jesus says it's so important to have a pure heart. Um, and, of course, the true condition of our heart is not uh, visible to anybody but God. Jesus said that our outward actions and words, though, flow out of and reveal what is in our heart. And since the heart is the heart of the matter, and those who have pure hearts see God, how can we steer our hearts towards purity? Um, in your message notes, we're going to look at three ways to experience the joy of a pure heart. And I say the joy of a pure heart because when our hearts are pure, there's nothing hidden um, we're living how we really long to live. We're free of the guilt and shame of past sins. There's a clear centeredness and a, uh, a clear vision of, of purpose and, and um, of our existence. Your day-to-day -day life honors God and glorifies God. You have clean hands and a clear conscience. Does anybody want a clear conscience? And someday it says, when we have a pure heart, We'll see Jesus face to face. So three actions to experience the joy of a pure heart. The first is to surrender your heart to Jesus and ask him to give you a clean heart. Scripture makes it clear that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God and of his goodness. And it's also clear that we can't clean up our hearts enough to come into the presence of a holy God. Psalm 24, 3 and 4 asks the question, and it answers the question, Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. And Jesus is the only one who has completely clean hands and a completely pure heart. God, in his mercy, sent Jesus Christ to live a perfectly pure life and then die in the cross in, on the cross in our place. 
Because of our, his love for us, he went to the cross, and through faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross, we can have clean hearts and forgiveness of sins. The starting place for a pure heart is with Jesus. He came to deal with sin and death, and Jesus' forgiveness is essential to a pure heart. He gives us a clean heart, and through faith in Jesus, we become new creations with a new heart and a new nature. We get a fresh start. And so if you're carrying a ro around a load of guilt and shame for things that you've done in the past, Jesus invites you to dump the junk, right? Just take that drawer and uh, dump it out, unload it. You were not meant to carry that around. Hebrews 10.22 tells us what we're to do instead. It says, let's draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Jesus invites us to draw near to God, to trust in what Jesus has done for us on the cross, receive forgiveness so that we can love him freely from a pure heart and a clean conscience. Then the second way we steer our hearts towards purity is to be intentional about what you let into your heart. Guard your heart, right? Jesus gives us a new clean heart, but then we tend to dump junk into it. And whether it's television or movies that you watch or something that you're drawn to online, there are countless ways to pollute our hearts. And it's our responsibilities as someone who loves Jesus to guard our hearts. One of the best ways to steer your heart towards holiness and purity is to read God's word, uh, to get into it and soak in it. Uh, King David said in Psalm 119.11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And when we do that, when we uh, immerse ourselves in God's word, the Holy Spirit uses that word to guide our lives and help us in our choices, the choices that we're making in our heart, and to teach us what's right and good. So read and study God's word, and choose your friends wisely. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.22 says, Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace, Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Um, if you want a pure heart, hang out with people who have pure hearts. And carefully attend to what you're filling your heart with. And then the third way that we steer our hearts towards purity and enjoy um, a pure heart is uh, number three, bring to bring your whole life under God's reign. Bring your whole life under God's reign. We, we are whole beings, and you can't have a pure heart if there are areas of your life that are out of sync with God. You know, sometimes we invite Jesus into our lives, and, and we think that he's going to be like a guest in our home, right? And stay in certain areas, you know, when you have a guest in your home. You don't expect them to go look through your drawers in the bedroom or anything. And we think God's going to just stay where we've already cleaned up, right? 
But when you give your life to Jesus Christ, he sends his Holy Spirit to take up residence in your heart. And he moves in with the idea of permanent residence. And his goal is, over time, to uh, have your life reflect the life of him who lives in you, Jesus Christ. So when Jesus comes into your heart, he begins to, by his spirit, uh, in a metaphor, shine a light into some of the rooms that you hadn't planned on him going into, and beginning to rearrange and change things that are causing you pain and problems. And if you take this image of Jesus shining a light into the rooms of your heart, into the different areas that uh, God wants to transform, and think about those rooms, there are basically five areas besides the heart um, that God wants to transform so that we are becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. So we've, we've already talked about the heart. That's number one. These six aspects of the human heart are there in places uh, there in your bulletin. <clears throat> the first is the heart. Then the second is our mind or thoughts. And our mind is a powerful resource. And just like we have a physical material heart that pumps blood through our body, and then this immaterial heart that uh, moves us to action, is the seed of our emotions and desires and hopes and dreams. We also have a material mind that, you know, we can x-ray or MRI or whatever uh, we do to get a picture of that. We have a physical brain. And we have an immaterial mind that thinks and sorts information and tells the brain what to do to carry out the choices and decisions that the mind makes. And in scripture, the mind and the heart are closely related. And sometimes we make decisions based on our emotions, on what we feel is the right thing, right? Anybody that's a grandparent knows that this is, that your heart can overrule your reason, right? <laughs> you just look at that cute little face, and here's another cookie. You know it's not a good idea. You know, it's bad. But, but there are other times when we make decisions based on reason, what we think rather than what we feel and when we have both our heart and our mind under God's reign they work together in complete unity with undivided purpose to glorify God look at Titus 2 11 through 14 it says for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people the grace of God that appeared is Jesus Christ and it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness. And I thought there, sh I thought there should be something about purify here. And to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Jesus enables us to say no with our heart and our mind to ungodliness and live upright lives. Then the second area, of, or the third area of our life that needs to be brought under God's reign is our bodies. We have a body that interacts with the physical world and acts on our thoughts and choices. It's with our body that we carry out what our heart and our mind will or decide. 
And as Christ transforms our heart and mind, we begin to see that God's intention is that we use our bodies, our hands, and our feet for helping others, for doing good, and honoring God. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? Our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit, and what we do with the body needs to be consistent with who we say we are as followers of Jesus Christ. Then the third area to bring under God's reign is our feelings. Uh, Sometimes we need an emotional transformation, and if you have a problem with anger or bitterness or jealousy or envy or depression or any of the emotional aspects of your life that cause pain and unhealthy relationships, God doesn't want you to go through life wounded or wounding others. And Christ will begin to help you overcome those emotions and feelings that keep you from experiencing joy and peace in your life. Ephesians 4, 30 and 32 says, Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. Remember, he's identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you'll be saved on the day of redemption. He cleanses our hearts. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Our emotions flow out of our heart and experiencing the joy of a pure heart We need to allow the Holy Spirit to transform us and help us exercise self-control over our emotions. And then number five is your soul. And our soul is that thing that the, the part of us that integrates everything else, our will, our heart, our mind, our, our body into a single whole person that is uniquely you. And you are a spiritual being with a soul that's immortal and made for God. And the key to having a pure heart is to orient your soul towards God. Uh, 1 Peter 2.11 says, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very soul. Our soul is so important to who we are as a whole person. And scripture tells us that It's our soul that longs for God, that thirsts for God. And so to experience the joy of a pure heart, we need to follow the leading of our souls uh, as our soul leads us towards God. And then number six, the last one, is our spirit. Uh, James 2.26 says that the body without the spirit is dead. The Spirit is that animating part of us that gives us life. And Scripture says that those who put their faith in Jesus Christ become spiritually alive, and those who don't believe in Jesus Christ are spiritually dead. And the Spirit is what gives us the ability to connect with God. We can't see God or have a pure heart until we become spiritually alive in Christ. 1 Thessalonians um, 5.23 says, And the peace of God himself sanctify you wholly. And sanctification is this process of becoming like Jesus Christ. 
And may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. These, these six things are essential to what it is to be a human being. And, you know, a, a pure heart can't, is an undivided heart and seeks God's reign in every area of your life. When something is pure, it's undiluted, right? It's full strength. There's no contaminants in it. And purity is a singleness of nature. And when Jesus comes into your life, he gives you his Holy Spirit, and his work is to transform all these areas to make you more and more like Jesus Christ in every aspect of your life, in your character, your choices, your values, your priorities, your love for God and others. That's the goal of our lives as followers of Jesus Christ. And uh, to be like Jesus who was pure in heart. The pure in heart will see God. Let's close with this promise from 1 John uh, 3, 2 and 3. It says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. So we know that we're children of God because he's called us his children. He's made us his children. What we are yet to be, we don't yet know that. But we do know this. When Jesus Christ appears, we will be made like him. We shall see him as he is. We'll see him face to face. And all of those who have this hope in him purify themselves as he is pure. Why do we want to pursue a pure heart? Because we have this hope in us that there will be a day when those whose hearts are pure We'll see Jesus face to face and be made like him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you. We thank you so much for uh, sending your son to die for us. And we thank you, Jesus, for sending your Holy Spirit to live in us, that, that we can walk in faith and become more and more like you as we yield uh, each area of our life to your uh, Holy Spirit's forming and purifying and cleansing. God, we, we want to be like you. We want to honor you with our lives. And I just pray for every person here today. If there's anybody that hasn't taken that first step to accept life in you and to be cleansed of all sin, I, I just pray that they'll take that step today and invite you into their heart. And then, God, I, I pray for all of us that you'll give us the strength when we're faced with temptations to say no to ungodliness and to yes to a pure heart that seeks to love you fully and be fully yours. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.